This message is brought to you by ABC Church in Ammonford, West Wales. For more information, please visit our website at www.abclife.org. Good morning. Now, we've got a lot to get through, so there's no time for messing about this morning. Right? Now then, get your pens and papers ready. Look at you all spring into action. It's beautiful, beautiful to watch. Now, listen. I am stirred to godly wonder. Isn't God wonderful? Isn't he? Isn't he? And you know what? That prayer set us up this morning, even though, yeah, prophecy, if the cap fits, let's do that, right? But, you know, calling down the Spirit of God to flow through us, right? And then hearts are opened during worship to allow that to happen. Yes, you all allowed that to happen. You said yes to God. And now the word comes and you have to carry on saying yes to him. You have to carry on saying, right, Make my heart open and teachable. Plant your seeds, Lord God. Teach me what you need me to know, Lord God. Challenge me, Lord God. Iron sharpens iron, Lord God. Teach me in the ways. Let me walk in your paths everlasting. Show me your word so that I may know how to go. Amen? You all ready for that this morning? So we are going straight into part two. Part two of don't look back. You're not going that way. And here is something I made earlier. Lee, are we ready? Sweated blood I did for you. Not that. Not that. Last week, Caris did that thing, Beauty in the Building. It was a picture, and I thought, right, consider that nicked. (laughs) Right. But what I did, actually, that's a Google image. As you can see, my Google thing at the top there, my search at the top. So that's up there. So whoever made that, I don't know who it is, but I just want to credit you online. Um, Thank you for making that so that I may use it in church, unknown person. Always credit your sources, people, otherwise it's stealing. Right? There we go. Right? So, recap of part one. You remember it? Okay, go. No? All right, here we go. No, it works every time. People go, and immediately all of you did that thing. You looked at the floor because you became invisible in that second, and I couldn't see you. Just in case I made eye contact with you, I went, tell me, what did I say? No, don't worry. Okay, so part one was based on Lot's wife, yes? No, I've, I've lost my other glasses, so I've got these ones on. That made me look like Eric Markham, but I still rock it, right? Yeah? I'll do that, Okay. So salvation is solely from God through his son, Jesus Christ. Right? Bottom line, we've all got that. Don't look back, you're not going that way. Your salvation is solely through God's mercy, through his sacrifice of his son, Jesus Christ. Amen? Because if you have a problem with that bit, you probably need to switch off for the rest. Okay? Because if you've got a problem with that bit, um, one, I would wonder why you're in church (laughs) of a morning, you know, but... That is the bit that you really need to get to grips with. You may have a concept of God that says, yeah, yeah, I get God. I get this overarching power, this, this nebulous concept of love. That's what you might be thinking. But blame me, I have a real problem with his son, Jesus Christ. What's that all about? Jesus is the sticking point, isn't he? Jesus is the stumbling block for a lot of people. But in Christ alone, we trust. Amen. So don't look back. You're not going any other way. You've said yes to Jesus, so you say no to everything else. Amen? Amen. Be humble. That's the other thing we learned. Remember what you've been rescued from. Remember what you were. Remember what you've been called out of. Remember what intercession was made for you. You're not going back that way. You've been rescued. You've been plucked out from it. Yes? Yes? Amen. 
and this, and this is the one that we don't find so easy, that a faith refined through trial is a life lived out in humility and integrity and love of Christ Jesus is always the right thing to do. Right? No matter how tough the trials. You know what, Liana just spoke it out over communion, didn't we, as we were rejoicing and remembering our Saviour's sacrifice, that a life that experiences trials, that is refined, made pure through testing and trial, lived out in love and integrity for the glory of the Most High God that is never wasted. You get that? You get what your life is? You get how precious your life is? You get why we all bang on about this stuff now? Because you are very important to God. And today we're going to find out and talk about how you are should be very important to everyone else as well. Because that's another bit we fall down on, isn't it? Yeah? Oh, I hope you're ready to be challenged. Because I'm going on holiday for a week, so you can try and message me, but my Wi-Fi is going to be turned off, all right? So you can be like, Andrea, I actually had a bit of an issue with what you said, and I'd be like, drinking Prosecco in Italy going, oh, okay, babe, I'll catch up with you later. You know? Right? That's what I'm thinking. No, I will be very loving and very humble, and uh, with my new shellac nails, I'll pray for you. Right? You know? But this is what we're going with. So you ready? You're ready. We are focusing on the book of Ruth. Yeah? And guess what? The whole book of Ruth. Yeah. Did you bring a snack? <laughs> Just checking. So we're going to do this in the form of an old school Bible study. Are you all right with that? Because I'm all right with that, okay? So this is what we're doing. Looking back, I'm saying to you, don't look back, you're not going that way. But this is what I want you to know. It's not just about saying no to looking back. It's about saying yes to moving forward. Right? So it's not just enough to say no to that. You say yes to this. You say yes to Jesus and no to everything else. So you're going this way and not that way. And when this way pulls hard, it's not just saying no, no, no. And being powerless in your no. It's saying no, yes. And your eyes are fixed on Jesus, the author and perfecter of your faith. And you move forward with him. Amen? Amen. Amen. So we are going to crack right on. So I want us to know that not looking back means we have to say yes more often. We say no, but we say yes to moving forward. So the book of Ruth. So there's four chapters. Yeah? All of you are like this. Yes, Andrew, of course we know that. We read Ruth often. Don't need to highlight four chapters to me. I know that. Get on with it. It's the only other book in the Bible, other than Esther, named after a woman. Come on. Come on. Bring in the female into church. Right. So there's four chapters, four chapters, four yeses. Okay, so four examples of how I want you and me and all of us to move forward with a yes. To say no to what's gone and yes to moving forward. Are we ready? The story of Ruth. Ruth was from Moab. Okay. And she was married to to a man. And she lived there with her, well, her father and mother-in-law. They moved out of Bethlehem, gone to Moab. They lived there. Yes? Right. So now while they were there, terrible things. First of all, her father-in-law dies. So leaves her mother-in-law on her own. Naomi is her name. It's all okay. Because there were two sons married to two women. Ruth was one of them. Oppa was the other. So it's all okay. But after about ten years, both the sons die. I know someone went, oh. You're my kind of person. I'm engaging compassion already. So the sons die. Now in this day and age, that was absolutely beyond tragic. Okay, because now they were all widows. 
they were women, they were widows, and they were aliens in this country, which meant nobody had to look after them. There was no money coming in. There was no care coming in. When the Bible says, look after the orphans and the widows, Jesus knew what he was talking about because these people would have nothing. These people would be starving on the street and people walking past them, okay? So they knew they had nothing. So Naomi makes a decision. She decides to go back to Israel. And she says to her daughters-in-law, don't come with me, you stay. Because you know what? I'm not going to have any more sons. You're not going to be able to marry my sons. You have nothing to do with me anymore. So you stay where you are. You stay with your families. You stay with your gods. It's fine. I'm letting you go. And Orpah goes. There's crying. It's a wrench. But she goes. But Ruth makes a decision. Can we put the scripture up, please? Ruth looks at her mother-in-law and says, At this they wept aloud. Then Orpah kissed her mother-in-law goodbye, but Ruth clung to her. Look, said Naomi, your sister-in-law is going back to her people and her gods. Go back with her. But Ruth replied, don't urge me to leave you or to turn back from you. Where you go, I will go. Where you stay, I will stay. Your people will be my people and your God, my God. Where you die, I will die. And there I will be buried. May the Lord deal with me, be it ever so severely, if even death separates me and you. When Naomi realized that Ruth was determined to go with her, she stopped urging her. Let's leave it there for a minute. So the first yes you are going to say yes to. Ready? Take a note. You are going to say yes to faithful love. You are going to say yes to a love that says, even when it's tough and you're telling me to go, I am going to stick with you. Are you are going to say yes to saying to people and to your God, I am committed to you. I don't run at the first sign of danger. I don't run at the first sign of trouble. I don't run at the first funny look you give me. I am committed to you, and I will stay with you, and I will stick with you. And where you go, I'll be following. And you know what? When you do that with God, he entrusts that love of people to you. Right? You get that? So you say, yes, God, I'm going your way. No, I'm not going the way of my past or my life or whatever is calling me back. That is not me anymore. I'm going this way. And God goes, well, that's terrific. Because now I want you to be that to other people. Got it? You say yes to that faithful love. Do you know what faithful love means? Let's take a look at it two ways. Jesus' love is faithful. God's love is faithful. It's unswerving. It's unbreakable. Nothing, nothing, nothing can alter it. But let's think of it in terms of a relationship. You don't run around with other people. You don't do the dirty. You don't cheat. That's what you are to other people. Got it? You are committed to other people. Even when they do that to you, you stand in a place that says, but I am faithfully in love with you. We reach out to people, don't we? We should. If we don't, we should. When people haven't been in touch with us for a while and we think they're going their own way, we should be sending that message on social media reaching out, going, I haven't seen you for a while, are you okay? Right? Yeah. We get in this. Because people matter. The book of Ruth shows us one thing, God is over all, and he loves his people, and he expects his people to love people. So it's great. It's great if you're here loving God and you're like, I'm in my worship bubble and it's all amazing and I love it. But if you go out there and walk past somebody without saying hello, not because you haven't seen them, but because you choose not to, 
Is that God? Are you telling me that's what Jesus would do? People, let's get real about this bit. Okay? Because lots of us in the last couple of weeks have experienced traumatic death. Sudden death. And we abide with those people, don't we? Don't we? Is that we're compassion engaged enough to abide with those people in their time of need? Yeah. But where were we before? Oh, no, come on. Come on. We've got to start asking these questions. Because if the church doesn't start asking it, believe me, other people will. I have to ask myself, where was I? You know, and I take it to God and I say, make me more faithful in my love. Put people in my path that I am, I have to engage my will to love sometimes, but make me love them. As I love you, make me love them till it hurts, until it hurts, until I've got nowhere else to go but to love. Are you with me? Are you with me? You are good people. Do you know how I know that? Because you're good to me. You're good to me and mine. And I thank God every day for setting me in a church where people love me. And I pray God that everyone goes home today with that experience. Do you get it? Because that's my experience. I know nothing but love from all of you. You're lush. You really are. Be encouraged today, church. You're lush. Okay? But the second you can love a hundred people lined up, love 99 of them. The second you decide not to love that one, do you know what Jesus says? That's not me. I never knew you because you didn't let me into that bit of your heart that wouldn't love some people for some reason. Jesus wants all of you, the entirety of you, every single bit of what you've done, what your potential is and where you are now. Jesus is going, give it to me. And when you submit it to me, you let me into your life and I flood out of it to other people. And when Jesus is flooding out of you, how can you not love anybody else? But we have to say yes to faithful love and no to apathy and discontent. We have to say, yes, Jesus, I'm going that way and I want that love. But no to anything that gets in the way of it. Are you getting it? Because your yes is not enough. Guess what? Your yes is not enough. We've been here worshipping. Like I said, you're all lush. And it's amazing. And I love seeing people worship. I love it. When people close in with God, it's amazing. But that is all it is if it stays in here. That is all it is. Is arms aloft and singing if it stays here. Okay? And you might be thinking that's not a bad thing. Heavens above. No, you'd be right. It isn't a bad thing. You could be out shoplifting. You know? So thank you for being here singing arms aloft. That's lovely. You know? Everyone gets blessed, don't they? You know? But if this is all it is for you, and you go out of those doors and feel no compulsion to be different to the people in your world, then all it was was a bit of nice singing on a Sunday morning. Do you get it? Do you get it? Do you get why I'm a bit breathless this morning? Because this stuff matters and it puts me in turmoil. I've had sleepless nights over this word. You need to wrestle with God if you want your word. 
You need to wrestle to God and say, use me, use me, tell me what to say. And he says, well, I'm going to say stuff to you, Andrea, that I need you to put into practice. And you're like, okay, okay, let's do this. And trust me, when you do that, God puts you to the test. (laughs) So in your week, you will have people that you have to think, make me a vessel of your love, Lord God. Make me a channel of your peace. Oh, like that. But the second you let God in to do it, you know what happens? He does it. What? Because we're like, make me loving right now, Lord God. But if you actually mean it, and you've said yes to that, and no to not feeling loved, you watch God come into bat for you. God's like that. Step back, Andrew, I got this one. And you're like, whoa, how did that happen? Where did I get those words? Where did I get that calmness? Where did I get that wisdom? Because that ain't me. You know, where did, you, where did I get all that from? And God's going, no need to thank me, babe. But I do every day, isn't it? Doesn't, doesn't need your thanks. Doesn't want your thanks. But everything he is demands it as a response from us. Do you not agree? When you see what he does for you. Oh, so yes, your first yes. None of that is written on my notes, by the way. So, uh, moving swiftly on. Okay, so that's what we're saying yes to. Oh, hold on. This book fell out of my Matthew, Matthew Henry comedy. So clearly in the past, I've been reading Ruth quite often. This is what Matthew Henry says, okay? This is why it's important to keep God at the center. Those that go in religious ways without a steadfast mind stand like a door half open, which invites in a thief. But resolution shuts and bolts the door resists the devil and forces him to flee now i was going to pretend i wrote that but i guess you'd all know okay isn't that amazing do you see why it's important to take every thought captive for christ do you see why it's important to take every action captive for christ do you see why even when we're in our most annoyed hormonal frenzy and you just want to go today lord i just don't care i just don't care about anyone i just don't care I am probably going to sit at my desk eating crisps, wondering if I'll ever smile again. You know, I know. In that state, and God goes, then you are a door half open and the thief is coming in. And we don't, he doesn't just creep in, we invite him in. You get it? It's like you're saying, well, I can't be bothered to do Jesus today, so devil, pop on over. Kettle's on. Kettle's on. We make him welcome, church. Oh, what she just said. She just said that to me. I'm speaking to me as much as I am to you. Do you understand? Do you understand what we do? Because when we say yes to bolt in the door and nullowing God in our hearts from every other love but Jesus, we are safe and secure. The devil has no way in. But you say yes to Jesus and no to the devil. Not, well, I'm yes to Jesus today. I'll just leave the door on the latch. Because I don't know how I feel tomorrow. I don't know how I feel in an hour. Lock that door. Got it? That door is locked. Because you're all lovely. Right? Point two. Chapter two. Write it down. Here we go. You are saying yes to hard work. Hands up who loves hard work. Yeah, yeah. Joseph's, Joseph's hands. Everyone's like that. No. Shut up. But listen. Chapter two. They get to Israel. And Naomi is desolate. Her sons are dead. 
her husband is dead. There is no hope. This is what you have to understand. Hope had gone. So Naomi is desolate. But Ruth has stayed with her. And she says to Ruth, you need to go out and work. You know, we need to live. You need to go out and work. Here, I've got some ideas. There's a field. Harvest time is here. Why don't you see what you can get? And Ruth goes, I will. I will. I'll do that. And she goes to a field. And, and this is very interesting. Her job was gleaning. Do you know what gleaning is? My mother knows what gleaning is. As a godly woman, you would expect her to. Okay? <laughs> gleaning. Ruth wasn't part of the harvest team, collecting the harvest. She wasn't employed. She wasn't good enough to do that. So she wasn't scything, collecting the first crops, the best of everything. Her job was to follow behind the harvesters and pick up what was left over. Her job for her family to eat was just to take what was left. All day, she worked like this. That's what she did all day. I found your kingdom on my knees, we all just prayed. But some of us are wanting to be king of the field going, but they all work for me. Do you know what that's called? That's called entitlement. Where you think, well, I'm a Christian, I've done it all the right way. Surely God's going to do this for me. And God is saying, your attitude should be the same as Christ Jesus. Who being, in very nature, God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself nothing. Humbled himself to death, even death on a cross. Some of you want the cream of the crop now, without having put in a shed load of hard work to get it. Every opportunity God has ever given me has first presented itself as hard work. And every opportunity he keeps presenting me is hard work. And every blessing he has ever given me culminates in hard work. If you think it stops, you're sorely mistaken. You say yes to hard work and no to laziness. You say yes to serving all you can for the Lord your God and no to entitlement and apathy. Yes? <laughs> Everyone's like, yeah, but I got a war wound and it means I can't kneel. Now listen, God knows where you are. God knows if you've got little babies and can't do as much as anybody else in church. He gets it. God knows if you've got disabilities and chronic conditions that nobody else can see, which limits what you can do. He gets it. You don't have to worry about any other person looking at you and judging you. You just need to worry about your relationship with your heavenly father, which says, I am doing everything I can. And God goes, girl, I see you. I know it. Now, come on. Why are you worried about what I think about your service? If you're right with God, that is all that matters. Do you get it? Why are you worried about everybody knowing you're in charge of the field? Why does that matter? Why does that matter? Just you can tell everybody else to pick up the bits after you. If that's why you're doing it, God will see that you are never blessed in that. You may get some material blessing, I'm not saying, but you will never be blessed to the fullness of God in that. And that is a different blessing. Because do you know what he blesses you with? Blesses us all with? Himself. 
he blesses you with love. And that love was never meant for you alone. You're meant to shed that abroad. If you're in charge of the field, like Boaz was, and Boaz was a good man, or you're picking up the bits, you spread love wherever you go. That's why we say, if you can be trusted with a little, he will bless you with a lot. He needs to know he can trust you with the picking up the bits before you get to be king of the field. You want to be king of the field without picking up the bits? Good luck to you. You'll never manage to lead people. You won't. People who lead people know how to be led. Yeah? Yeah. If you want to lead people, submit to being led. What? People like that. Say that one more time, Andrea. Because I feel I may have not heard you. Because the Spirit of the Lord is upon me to not listen this morning. Right. Now then. If you want to lead people, if you think the calling of God on your life is to be in a position where you lead people, submit to your leaders. Can I make that clearer? I don't know if I can. (laughs) But if you have any issues with that sentence, please come see me later or text me in Italy. I'll be at your command. (laughs) We are called to be ordinary. We are called to be all things to all people. And then when you capture the grace of God's ordinariness on your life, you become what C.S. Lewis calls that extraordinary Christian. You see, God is never about names in lights and money in the bank. God is never about your name being lifted high. He's about his name being lifted high. So if you are looking for any of that affirmation, here in church because of what you do friend you're looking in the wrong place your affirmation comes from jesus christ himself and his massive sacrifice for you just you but luckily we all got it i am the just me so never eschew or despise being ordinary in the name of jesus because do you know what he doesn't want drama jesus don't do drama because if you're into being that diva and that drama, do you know what you're saying? It's all about me. All about me. But what about me? But what about me? But, but where does that leave me? But what about me? And Jesus going, you've missed the point. It's all about me. <laughs> Jesus is going, it's all about me. Now, where do you, where do you fit into that worldview? Where do you fit into that worldview? Let me leave that, you with that, that question this morning. Where do you fit into Jesus' view? You are his view. You're the apple of God's eye. So, so why does it matter if people know your name? And how much you do? And if you're important? And how much you earn? And how important you are? And what you head up? And what people think you head up? And if you're seen? That doesn't matter. Jesus sees you. He knows your name. He knows the hairs on your head. He loves you. Before you were in your mother's womb, I knit you together. You are wonderfully, wonderfully made. And Jesus sees you and loves you. Is that not enough? Ask yourself today if that's enough. Ask yourself right now, is that enough? Because if that is not enough, you need to find someone to come alongside and pray with you. You need to be pastored in that. And pastored by somebody 
you know what? Who has no vested interest in you? <laughs> right? If I need pastoring, I do not go to my mother. My mother is a lovely, wonderful, godly woman who has poured it all into our lives, Helen, hasn't she? Hasn't she? And she's very attractive to boot. She's very young looking. She's a... Some people have called her a Welsh Audrey Hepburn. But if I want motherly love and wise maternal advice, I go to my mother. Now, my mother is godly and iron sharpens iron, right? And my mother is honest. But if I need to know, if I've got an issue in this church with what's going on with me and where I need to go, I go to my pastor. Why would I want truth about me? My mother loves me, allegedly. (laughs) (laughs) But sometimes, you know, you can speak those words to someone who really, 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 really loves you. And because they really, 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 really loves you, they might not say it as it actually is. They will always try and guard your feelings. They will always be your best cheerleader. Mothers, we are our children's best cheerleaders. That's our job. That's what we should be. But you know what? Sometimes you need truth spoken into your life. Sometimes you need somebody to go, yeah, that was badly done. And you need to know not to do that again. So I'm going to pray with you. I'm going to teach you. I'm going to disciple you. And I'm going to be with you while you need me. And sometimes as mothers, that's not us. You know? We need to surround our children with a cloud of godly people who speak nothing but truth into their lives. Yeah? Because I will always err on the side of praise for my son. Whether you deserve it or not. (laughs) And you often do. That was an example of it right there. You (laughs) You know what? Because I will. Because I love him. But you know what my job is? To love others like I love him? Do you see what I'm trying to say? Your hard work is hard work. Hard work sometimes means hard conversations. Hard work sometimes means hard work, staying with people and abiding with them. So you say yes to hard work and no to passivity. Yes? You see, that's another thing. I think, we, we, you know, Dan's spoken, isn't he? He's absolutely right. It is about being active in church. It's saying yes to that. But let's go further, Dan. It's saying no to being passive. Do you understand the difference? So it's not just saying, yeah, I'm going to be active. You have to be no to passive. That has to be an active no to passive. Not just a tacit, well, I've said yes to active, so clearly I'm not being passive. It's a no, I am active. And I choose to say no to being passive. Because if you're active, do you know what? People will be able to tell. I'll leave that with you. Do you get it, though? You know, you might sit there mute or not interacting with anybody or engaging with anybody. But, hey, I've chosen to be active, right? Well, you know what? You haven't actively chosen to not be passive. Does that make sense? You actively choose to not be passive. Otherwise, if you're not actively choosing to not be passive, you're passive. Yeah? I'm just saying words now. I need to move on. (laughs) I've said active and passive too much. They've stopped meaning stuff. Do you know, does that ever happen to you when you say words and you think, I, I could be speaking Greek. I don't know what I'm saying. I've just said that word too many times. So point three, gosh, how long have I been? Oh, not long enough. Right, point three, say yes to redemption. Come on. 
Now we know Christ has died for all. We are the redeemed. But here in this book, in this little book of four chapters, in the Hebrew, do you know how many times the word redeem and redemption is mentioned? 23 times. So do you not think God is trying to tell us something about redemption? Do you not think? So in here, this tiny little book is a nugget of gold. You go back and read this. You will get so much out of it. Naomi's hope is renewed through Boaz. Because when Ruth goes to that field to work, the owner of the field sees her and says, who's that young girl? And she says, oh, look, I'm just a foreigner. You don't even know me. And he says, don't go to any other field because those people might harm you. You're a woman on your own. You stay here. You stay here and glean here. And do you know what he tells the other workers? Drop a bit more on the floor for her. Do you see how blessing works? Do you see how blessing works? He didn't say, and make a head of the field. He says, pull out a few and drop it for her. And don't stop her picking them up. You leave it for her. So at the end of the day, she has a sack load of wheat, barley, I think it is, for her and Naomi. Her hard work has been blessed. And through it all, she finds redemption through this, a renewal of hope. Because Boaz, unbeknown to Ruth at that time, but Naomi knows, is related to them. He's related to her husband. He is their kinsman redeemer. You ready for this bit? I'm about to blow your minds with these next two points. You think I've been good up until now? You might not have, don't tell me, right? Because this bit, ho, this little book in the Bible, nestling after judges, takes the roof off the Bible. You ready? Can you put the verse up? Because here, right here, it says, Who are you? He asked. I am your servant, Ruth. Spread the corner of your garment since you are a guardian redeemer of our family. Naomi tells her, you go and see him. Because you think, that's an odd verse to put up, Andrea. Bear with me. Naomi says, go and see him. Tell him who you are. Tell him who he is to us. A kinsman redeemer had responsibility for a family if all the men had died the extended family. So they had an opportunity to go to him and say, will you marry Ruth and make us a family again? But you know, she'd never met him. So she says to Naomi, you tell me what to do. You tell me how I meant to do this and I'll do it. So Naomi tells her everything she has to do. She has to have a bath. Good start, people. <laughs> Put on perfume, also good. Put on your best clothes. Go there, because it's the end of the harvest, so there's a party. Wait until he's had his fill, then just sleep at his feet. When he wakes up, you tell him who you are and you ask him to be your kinsman redeemer. You see, you have to actively pursue redemption. Got it? Redemption, we are redeemed. Jesus has died once for all. We heard it this morning, haven't we? He has died for all. But you can live in an unredeemed state if you choose. When Lazarus rose from the dead, they had to say, take off his grave clothes. Take off his grave clothes. He was alive, but he was stood there in the mouldering, rotting grave clothes. He could have said, leave him be, for goodness sake. Just, go, just come back to life. Leave me alone. But he had to say, take these off me. I choose life, not death. Take off your grave clothes. You spread your garment out and you say to God, you are my redeemer. Will you redeem me? Daily. Daily. Otherwise, we're doing it under our own strength. I can't redeem myself. I can't. 
and you can't redeem me no matter how much you love me. Do you understand? No matter how much another person loves you, they can't redeem you. They can have a marvelous influence on you and a good effect on you, but they can't redeem you. Only Jesus can do that. So every day you choose to walk the path of Jesus. Every day you pick up your cross. Every day you lay down your own crown and you pick up your cross and you walk towards him and you say, redeem me, redeem me. I am your redeemed, now carry on redeeming me. And he says, I will put this right. For Boaz then said, I will be your kinsman redeemer, but there's one closer to you than me. And I need to go and see him and make sure that he's all right with me marrying you. Because if he says, yes, he wants to marry you, I have to step back. But I will see things done and done right, Boaz says. And this is what you're saying yes to through redemption. You're saying yes to doing things right in the godly way. Do you hear me? Because there is the right way and then there's a godly way, isn't there? And sometimes those two things are different. Now, very often they overlap. But sometimes we get stuck in a bit of a grey area, don't we? Well, that's not wrong. No, it's not wrong. But is it godly? That's what you have to ask yourself. Is this godly? You know, what would Christians, when we were teenagers, were blighted by that. What would Jesus do? You think, oh, oh, I don't know. I don't know. Would he have another packet of crisps? Probably not. <laughs> you get bogged down in that everything. What would Jesus do? What would Jesus do? But you miss the point. It isn't about those tiny bits of behavior modification. It's about making godly choices that have godly consequences that bring godly blessing into your life. Right? That's what godly does because I can make the right choice. Having, having 12 miles bars a day isn't wrong. But don't want to me when you chat up. Isn't it? We get a bit, I don't know where this weight's coming from. I've tried everything. Have you tried eating less and moving more? <laughs> you know, that's... I'm not being unsympathetic, but you know, sometimes I live in that world of denial, aren't we? It's like, you know, it's like, well, I, I mean, I, I don't eat much. <laughs> How much? How much is not much? You know, but we live in denial, but you make a godly choice. Your body is God-given. Hey, what? Look at you lot. Yeah? You look at yourself and say, so I have to be a good steward of everything, including looking after my body. I have to be a good steward of my finances. To be a good steward of my friendships and my relationships. I have to be a good steward in work and my responsibilities therein. You are called upon to make godly choices every second of every day. Yeah. Your godly choices, I will say it again, will bring godly consequences, which brings about godly blessing. Blessing not that the world would recognize, maybe, but that you will know without dispute in your life, I am blessed by the one true God. Look at this. Look at this. Who brought this to me? Only God. Only God. And because you know that, it changes the world, the world around you because of the way you think and act. Got it? We become different and more godly because godliness breeds godliness. Yeah? So the more godliness you, you experience, the more godly you become. Who doesn't want to be more godly? No, seriously though. Who doesn't want to be more godly? Think, well, I think I'm godly enough. I think I've reached a pinnacle of godliness. I've reached a boundary wherein I need no more godliness in my life. That is never going to happen because God says he just gives and gives and gives. His peace, his peace passes understanding. How can you not get enough of that? His cup overflows. How can you not want more of that? Everything he gives, he gives to excess. 
including his blessing to generation, to generation, after generation, after generation. So choose life, not death, that it may go well with your children. You get me? Because the choices I'm making now are not just going to benefit me, they're going to benefit my grandchildren in about 30 years. Right? Yeah, you know? Do you get me? It breeds into your life. You want to have a look at your life and think, gosh, where did that, how, what? Is when you started making those godly choices way back here. So you say yes to those godly choices and redemption, but no to right choices and wrong choices. Abandon issues of right and wrong. Focus on godly. Yeah? We don't live in a paradigm of right and wrong. We are clear what right and wrong is, but we really trip ourselves up when we get to what godly is. Murder is always wrong. Yeah? That's not a godly choice to not murder, is it? But it is, isn't it? Because God says do not murder. But we know that is not wrong. Fiddling your mileage? If nobody finds out? Oh, suddenly a bit quiet, church. You know? Bit of gossip? <gasps> Little white lies. Nobody will. Have you posted that letter? Yes, of course I have. They trip up the tongue, don't they? never a godly choice to lie never a godly choice to lie church oh my fingers been out a lot today it's because i got new nails and i love them right so but that is never a godly choice even if it is a little white fib and it makes no difference and nobody will ever find out oh your heavenly father despises lies do you know why everyone's gone this is terrifying i don't know why why and this is serious because satan is the father of all lies oh come on that's why lying is so wrong that's why lying is so wrong that is not a godly choice when you fib and we call it all sorts of things i just omitted the truth you lied <laughs> just a little fib i lied you know i just didn't say anything you lied <laughs> think it through come on come on this is good though right yeah it's not for me I'm not saying all of this to you so that you can feel terrible forever. I'm saying all of this to you so that you can grow on in strength and truth and grace and mercy and love and have a whole round life. Is that okay? Because what I would see is you flourish, church. What I would see is this town affected. Why? Oh, well, I met this woman from that church. I met this man from that church and he said to come along. And oh gosh, they were really lovely and it was all amazing. And you know what? They are godly. They are godly. That indefinable something. People know when you're good and bad. But when you're godly, oh, people respond to that. You expect response to your godliness. So the next one, yeah? The last one. Oh, my Bible turned at the same time. Look at that. In a fit of peak. The very last one. Say yes to being fruitful. Say yes to fruitfulness. Actively saying yes, I want to produce fruit and no to being barren actively producing fruit that changes other people's lives and saying no i am walking on in this way do you know why do you know why because i said we're about to come to it because this is amazing it really is and I, you know i can give god full credit for ruth okay i didn't steal any of this when they are blessed and they are blessed naomi moves from desolation to fruitfulness naomi's life is made she is restored to hope through the selfless kindness and integrity of Boaz and Ruth. And that's what we are to other people. We restore them from desolation to fruitfulness through Jesus Christ, 
by our selfless, loving, kindness and acts of utter integrity. Do you see how you release people when you do that? This is about setting the captives free. Now, Jesus saves. Nothing to do with us. But if we don't show people Jesus, who will? You understand? Are you waiting? You know, oh, Jesus will reveal themselves to him. We actively have to pursue re fruitfulness and redemption through hard work and faithful love so that we can go to people and say, come and see. Like the woman at the well, come and see. Come and see this man who told me everything I ever did. Come and see him. Come and see him. And her town was saved. We are the woman at the well. He has told us everything we have ever done. And he says, but I love you. Now go, go and tell people about me. Get them to see me. And here we are, left in this place where Jesus is our kinsman redeemer church. He is the one doing it. Can we put the verse up? Right at the end. So Boaz took Ruth and she became his wife. When he made love to her, oh, come on, in a church. Oh, there's no need on a Sunday. When he made love to her, the Lord enabled her to conceive and she gave birth to a son. The woman said to Naomi, praise be to the Lord, who this day has not left you without a guardian redeemer. May he become famous throughout Israel. For he will renew your life and sustain you in your old age. For your daughter-in-law who loves you and who is better to you than seven sons has given him birth. Then Naomi took the child in her arms and cared for him. This is interesting. The women living there said, Naomi has a son. Isn't, aren't you just bowled over by God's kindness? It just makes me cry when I read it. You are so hard-hearted. Oh. Naomi has a son and they named him Obed. He was the father of Jesse, the father of David. Ruth lived her life brilliantly and faithfully and beautifully. And you know what? Her legacy was King David, from whom came Jesus Christ, our Savior. Do you see, if you live this life, you are birthing Jesus into the world. Do you understand? Ruth, through all of these yeses, birthed Jesus. Do you not see that? Ruth took all of this in her stride. She humbled herself to hard work, humbled herself to being subject to a kinsman redeemer. She had nothing of her own, only trusting the word of God in her life. And when she submitted, she engaged, she committed, she submitted her life and legacy is the Lord Jesus Christ. So when you say yes to these things, you birth Jesus into your life. Do you understand why an active yes is so important, but equally an active no to going back? Pursue love, peace, and righteousness. Pursue Jesus Christ. He will come. He will come. If you're looking for him, you will find him. If you need him, he is there. If you are desperate for him, call out, he answers. If you need him today, he is here waiting for you. But if you don't know where to go, if you don't know how your life is going to play out, then just take my advice for what it's worth and say yes to him, but no to the rest of the world. Friends, have a wonderful, blessed week. Say yes where you can. Look out for those godly opportunities and say yes as much as you can because you are putting Jesus not just into your own life, you are blessing him with others. So look for Jesus, search for him, find him and show others him. Have a great week. Amen.
This message was brought to you by ABC Church. For more information, please visit our website at www.abclife.org or search for us on Facebook or Twitter. You can also contact us by phone on 01269 596000.